0: Hello, grace and peace. We're taking anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Cap, and we're going to be joined shortly by Jeff. I had things to say, Park, and we're going to continue the discussion that we started two weeks ago on the show uh, before Thanksgiving uh, on the evangelical downgrade series we've been going through. We called that first episode The Wimpy Jesus, and if you uh are wanting to to get caught up on that if you missed that episode and you need to get caught up uh you can click over here somewhere maybe it's over here somewhere i don't know i really should know these things anyway in the corner of your screen you can go to uh to, to watch the first episode uh we're continuing this discussion today and uh if if jeff had things to say in the last episode boy do i have things to say in this one and so i uh that there, this Plenty of freakouts to go al- around in this one, so uh, we're gonna get into it. But just remember, just a reminder: um, if you uh, if you like the show, want to support it, go to buymeacoffee.com/slash-flyover, and we will gladly take your money. I mean support. Uh, and <laughs> and of course, at that point, you can become friends with us and hang out with us uh, both in the chat when we record live on Sunday nights at 10:30 ish. And also, we can become friends on dis, our secret Discord server because we are nothing if not mercenary in our friendship. No, but seriously, we can we we would love your support if you feel like what we're doing. We definitely appreciate it, and of course, you can come follow us on Twitter at IOANCAP and at jeff jeff park or no sorry j park yyc on Twitter. You can hang out with us and get to know us there. And of course just share, rate, like everything, and uh um and yeah. Enjoy the show. Um but I want to clarify like so so the subject of tonight is uh to put it to to to, to quote Jeff in, in our DM chat, Wimpy Jesus. The evan the evangelical problem of wimpy Jesus. And, um, and, uh, <clears throat> there's sort of a, I can see a, a few ways to, of directions we could go with this. Um, and, 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 and maybe, or I, I can see two directions we could go with this conversation. And, uh, again, in keeping with, uh, again, on your bingo card, we're doing some production mm-hmm. meetings on air. Uh, if you've got another direction you want to go with this, you can you can throw it in. But the two ways I can see us going in is uh, the Wimpy Jesus, you could, one of the reasons why I think this Wimpy Jesus thing comes out fits with a, um, well, we can continue on a subject we've been hitting already, which is this idea of hyper simplistic evangelicals, that evangelicals yeah. are hyper simplistic why does why can bart Ehrman walk onto a campus and convince a bunch of evangelicals that his nonsense is smart it's because we haven't thought like if they have read a gospel they haven't thought through it that's the thing that i'm always like a little bit like i'll, I'll meet people who are like yeah i read the bible once a year but have you thought about any of it like i just like it, it's like okay cool you let the words on the page pass by your eyeballs but but there's more like, there is more to reading than letting the words pass by your eyeballs. Like reading is It's a great start. <laughs> it's a good start, yes. But there's more to it than that. You also have to engage it with your mind. Like that's, we we don't know how to read, and because we don't know how to read, we don't know how to read the Bible. Like th- there's, uh. We need to be able to read like uh, we we need to think and we need to re- when we're reading. Our, so there's a simplistic aspect of it we can we can dig into. And also, I think there's um, this this uh, fact that Christianity is infected with the disease of niceness. And we equate niceness for kindness and gentleness. And so. We are incapable of celebrating strength and strong condemnation, which the Bible has no problem doing. And Jesus has no problem doing, you know, like and and I think there's something to do that. But I'm going to I want to look at the Raqqa thing real quick. Uh, OK, yeah,
1: that's one of the several things that I threw out there. Um, yeah. I just want to like, very briefly let's go back and pick that up.
0: Put it back into context. Yeah. And you see in Matthew five You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now, let me say this verse alone should prove that those people who think what Jesus is doing is contradicting. The old law <laughs> is silly. Like, okay, so do you think right. what Jesus is saying here is that murder is no longer a sin? Obviously not. In fact, it's so funny. It's so weird that, like, people will go to, like, jump these hermeneutical, do these hermeneutical backflips in order to try and argue that what Jesus is doing is he's nullifying the law here when he literally says that's not what he's doing. And also, when there's a much easier way to explain it, He's not nullifying it. He's going deeper. He's saying it's not, but he just came not about
1: externals. He came not to nullify it, but to fulfill it. And we're going to interpret right. fulfill as meaning nullify and move on. That's, <laughs> that's right. how we do this. <laughs> right. That's how we do this. Right. Because we are simplistic
0: uh, evangelicals, but he says, but he says that, and he says, but I say to you, and the, but is not, does not nullify the first. It says, I'm going to go deeper. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults or literally says Raka, which is an Aramaic word for empty headed. Whoever says Raka to his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, and by now we can see the implication is, to his brother, will be li- liable to the hell or Gehenna, if you want to be hyper-literalistic because you don't actually believe in hell, even though it's pretty clear, of fire. Mm-hmm. So and let's let's put it back in
1: context. Let's keep going. So I would so I would that- love by the way, I, I did want to get sidetracked into I think some of these people I was arguing with probably don't believe in a literal literal hell. So I'm like, I'm not sure why I should be such afraid of being thrown into yeah. a garbage pit outside Jerusalem. It's doesn't seem doesn't seem like a real threat to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> so And and so
0: but but he goes on, and if you think I'm I'm reading brother into that last bit he says, so if you're offering your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has that your brother has something against you again, brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother, brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So, twenty-five and twenty-six seems to be moving in a different direction, but I want to focus on that verse twenty-four. Verses twenty-three and twenty-four, he's talking about if you're going to the if you're going to offer a sacrifice at the temple, and he says, and he, it's, he draws this kind of hola- like like not not hilarious, but kind of funny picture. Of like, so you got you you just led your bull up onto the altar. You're about to sacrifice, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait a minute! My brother has something against me. I need to deal with it. I can't offer this sacrifice while I, I I'm unreconciled with my brother." Hold it, keep that cow there. I'll be right back. And the priest is up there being like, "Are you serious, bro? There's like a line, <laughs> so I'm just gonna hold this bull up here while you go talk to your." To your brother, but it's it's this it's this picture of like saying like it's <coughs> more than just and the, the whole point is murder is indicative of a or really it starts in the heart, which we shouldn't be surprised by because Jesus says that about you know every sin <laughs> that it starts in the heart that's why this that's why it never made sense to me when people were like, oh uh, well the homosexuality in the Bible uh they don't have any concept of actually an identification with homosexuality or, like, this idea of, of of same-sex love. That wasn't a concept. They just thought about the act of sexual intercourse with a person of the same sex. Yes, because the Bible is completely foreign to the idea. <clears throat> like It's a foreign concept to them that an external action might start in the heart. Yeah, that's right. They never talk hmm. about this sort of thing. But but let's not get on that sidetrack though. But but that's clearly what he's talking about here and, and what is You're he becoming
1: thinking? like those idols you worship. Because one of the other one of the other things they say is that oh, it wasn't so much about the homosexuality, but it was about the yeah, the yeah. pagan the pagan idolatry that it was associated <laughs> with. Which again yeah. the <laughs> you will become like the idols you worship. This yes, is yes. the whole point. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Um but <clears throat> but really, but
0: but we get to that verse. That verse, this this insulting. You don't call anyone a fool. Who is he talking about? He's talking about your brother. That mm-hmm. is a word, especially like if we are talking about the Gospel of Matthew, and in Matthew, Matthew is the most rabbinic of the Gospels. Like he is, uh, in, in many ways, he is. He is kind of giving our Mishnah in Matthew. Like like Matthew is giving our Mishnah. Jesus the rabbi, and that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. He's collecting all of the the sermons of Jesus into one place. Um, You don't have to think that Luke and Matthew are conflicting. It's very clear with Matthew's purpose that he's collecting the teachings of Jesus, and he is giving the Christian Mishnah. How did Jesus interpret the Old Testament, particularly specific Old Testament messianic prophecies and mess in and, and, and the law and how did jesus teach us the deeper meaning of the law and so he's giving us a count a counter mishnah and so for him what does brother mean uh, for a jewish man he is talking about your fellow israelite in the context of the the gospel of matthew that means a fellow believer oh man Don't get me started on how many times I've heard Matthew 25 pulled out to say we need to be uh, social gospel do-gooders, and then we miss the fact that whatever you do to the least of these, my brothers, you do to me. We are talking about, and in this verse and in that verse, we are talking about how you treat fellow believers. We are talking about you are in the church. We don't offer sacrifices anymore, but we have the Lord's Supper. We have the table there. And that is a time yeah. when we are supposed to, to, tr- to inspect our our hearts to see if we discern the body, not just the one on the table, but the one all around us. And if we are yes. in, in in some kind of a a uh, we are unreconciled to a brother among us. If we are calling him Raka, we are hating our brother. That is murder in our heart, and particularly that's fratricide. That is our brother in the faith. And, and, and First John gets into that very thing. Talking about the other gospel writer, he gets into that very thing of like, this is the problem of hating your brother. That is the cane, that's the heart of the Cain sin, of hating your brother. Right. That leads to the fratricide of, of murder or the fratricide of you're dead to me, which is unacceptable either way. Right. And that is clearly what he's talking and- about in this passage.
1: And I was, I was, I was debating wh- whether to go, go here, but you, but you brought it up even more explicitly in this context of of the Lord's Supper. So I think this is a good. I think for um, young, conscientious, reformed guys, in particular, who tend towards the more introspective side. Um, i i have seen this over and over and over and over again i think i think satan's running a play on us um where um where he wants us to get all introspective right before coming to the table so that we won't come to the table so that we'll 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 take this verse and we'll and, and, and we'll go, well, I've got to go make amends. But then instead of doing the radical thing as it's actually mentioned and go make amends immediately, like, well, I'll make amends this week so that I can take it next week. And then next week he brings up another sin against another brother. Uh-huh. Um and and you and you and uh, uh, okay, I'm I'm talking very specifically about our context where we where we protect every week. But but if if, oh, if you protect oh, once shit. a month this hold on hold on hold on. If, We're Baptists. We do it once
0: a month,
1: at most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but if you protect once a month, then this play gets easy, even easier yeah, to run on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and if it's if it's once a quarter, um, or once a business meeting, and we're going to start having business meetings as rarely as po- possible. That's what happened at one of at, at uh, one of yeah. the mega churches I went to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, then, uh, um, then. Uh, 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 then it gets even easier to run this play, and I think, look, okay. First of all, uh, I'll talk about our 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 context and and in a traditional liturgical context, even a, a Southern Baptist liturgy. Uh, or I said Southern Baptist, I meant Reformed Baptist, but whatever. Um, Turns out, all the original Southern Baptists were Reformed Baptists. Go figure. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, the um, uh, you have a confession of sins and assurance of pardon at the yeah. beginning of the service. That is when you do this. Mm-hmm. So then, so then when we when we roll in in from the sermon into the table, you've already dealt with that. So you've done the confession of sins, you have received assurance of pardon. You have done the examination before coming to the table.
0: Yeah.
1: It, and 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 I don't think it's a I don't think it's a problem to remind people to examine themselves before coming to the table. I'm not I'm not casting aspersions at that, uh, but I don't think it's necessary because you've done it. Yeah. And 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 I think I think it's important to to spell that out yeah. to people so that they realize yeah. Hey, we've already done this, so we don't have to do it again, and we don't have to because I think I think this introspective um, that my my fitness for this table is mostly um, about uh, my performance and my <laughs> um, uh, and and, uh, and and how well I've done at being a Christian this week or this last 48 hours or whatever, I think that, that is so radically missing the yeah. point of the table. Um, and also, yeah. And, and so, so I, I think I, I have seen many, many young, um, mostly men. I've seen it happen with women too, but I've seen many, many young um uh men of god who who want to be conscientious who want who uh who who are big on theology who 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 are 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 trying to um trying to practice all these things conscientiously um and and they will withhold themselves from table fellowship for long periods of time Mm -hmm. um because it's always something else, it's always something else, yeah. it's always something else and 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 um uh, and I, I and so so this is this is really tangential to our main topic, but i wanted to I wanted to bring it out because we we pretty much explicitly started yeah. talking about sure. <laughs> the connection sure. to the supper right. here and i and i and i um i feel that that's one thing it um, yeah. so so look i, I guess here's but, what i want to yeah. make clear that that when 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 your elders or or whoever does it in your church when they place the elements before you and let you partake of the body and blood of Jesus they are permitting you to perform a dangerous task <laughs> they're 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 laying they're um, 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 they're laying before you life and death uh-huh. <laughs> that 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 uh um uh uh so so I, I mean a whole other problem is that so many Baptists in particular don't take this particularly seriously, which is a an yeah. even bigger mistake. But yeah. um so it, th- yeah. this is a this is a dangerous thing we're allowing to do you to do, but not something that you are not equipped. Yeah. <laughs> you are equipped to do this dangerous thing. Yeah. um by the finished work of Jesus Christ by your own confession of sins yeah. and assurance of pardon. Yeah. So Sorry. so t-
0: <laughs> today actually I had the privilege of preaching and also um uh, we normally we do communion first Sunday of the month but uh we actually postponed it to this week because we were pairing it with our celebration of the International Day of Prayer which we also put off for a week. Um and we paired that also with our Thanksgiving meal. We kind of just put everything together in one day, and so that meant I had the opportunity to lead us into the commu- the fellowship. And uh, I just also happened to be preaching on First Timothy six two, uh, B through ten, which was about godliness. And I I defined godliness, and I used uh, Romans one and uh, and John Calvin to define godliness or the old school word piety from pietas, the Latin translation of asabeya which we translate uh, uh, godliness. Uh, I like piety better, but you know, whatever. Um, but he defines it as n- reverential fear mixed with love. And that's coming from Romans 1 where he talks about how they suppress the knowledge of God by unrighteousness, not by ungodliness, because ungodliness is that they knew him, they knew that he was God, but they did not as God honor or glorify and give thanks to him. And so I got to bring that forward. And that was kind of a main point of my sermon. Is that we cannot fall off the horse on either side. We must come before him in in fear and trembling. Knowing that uh, he is the great God of this world. And as Hebrews says. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That is still true of believers. Hebrews 10 is written to believers. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. To, And so we should come into worship we should come into the presence of God with fear and trembling and at the same time on the other hand that we come with gratitude and grateful love or, or, or joy and so it is like uh, this is why I really like that f- the phrase of Bethlehem Seminary that it's an education in serious joy like that's really mm-hmm. what what godliness <laughs> is, is it's being serious about it we're not flippant when we come to the table we we know that there is a, a seriousness we need to come in fear and trembling but also there is a joy to it and a gratitude, and so we should not rob ourselves of that joy. In fact, I, I was going to say, like, um, I've even heard of some churches where they will actually have a weekly communion service and where the, the table is their assurance of pardon. They'll have a confession of sin, and then they'll say to remind ourselves that we are forgiven. Oh. We partake of the body and blood of Jesus Christ to remember that we Excellent. are yeah. we are forgiven. And Carl Menger said, in the chat said, come on, guys, do it weekly. It's so good. Don't have to convince me. Uh, you got to convince <laughs> the the uh, people who don't like change or think that it's Catholic to have communion every yeah. week, even though the Catholics did it like once a year. And Calvin himself was the one who wanted to do it every week. It's actually more reformed to do every <laughs> week. Uh, but, well, and, um, and, but yeah. And uh, but I, 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 th- I
1: think... I think the expression of hocus pocus is yep. from Luther Hoc-est. making Hoc-est. fun Hoc-est. Of, make, yeah. and making fun of the, uh, the Catholic priests who didn't, who couldn't even
0: yeah.
1: say hocus corpus meum" in Latin. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. uh, and so, so hocus pocus is, is yeah. like, uh, a mangled, uh, <laughs> mangled version of that. Um, yeah. and, and yeah. so there was a lot, uh, I mean, uh, They actually, the Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation was was marked um, by a severe neglect of the table, which is why you can have something like indulgences run wild. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're doing the table right, indulgences can't happen. Yeah.
0: The Catholic Church of (laughs) Calvin and Luther's day, the only person who would actually partake of the elements were the priests. Right. And you know what it started? It started because there was a virus, and they thought. Oh, well, really? Well, we well, we gotta oh, we dude, gotta protect yeah. the people. Trust the science. Fifteen days <laughs> to flatten the curve. Before you know it, they're never taking communion. But but like that's that's where a lot of people think that that's that, that tradition came from is that, that it was for, on the one <sighs> hand weird. it was protecting the host or it was either protecting the host, or they later came up with protecting the host as the, the post hoc sure. justification. But they think it started would, when, when Josh says, death. when Josh
1: says the host, he means the consecrated elements of the yeah. supper. You're um, right. You're right. Uh, um, that, that, that's the terminology. Yeah.
0: Uh, but anyway, but, but, you know, like, but I would also say, and, and to, to get to your point, to get to your point of like, um, don't become so obsessed with self-reflection that you never take the host. We also should say, or you never take communion. Sorry. Now, now I'm going to on Catholic, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, this is also perfect. It's perfectly within, uh, the genre of rabbinic literature for the rabbi to be exaggerative. I don't think he actually expected anyone to leave a cow on the altar oh, to sure. go, to go check with it, you know, to go. He, he's basically saying, get to, Get to it. Like if you're when you're taking communion, if you're walking forward to take communion and you think of and you see your brother over there and you're like, we're fighting right now. We are not at peace. Then go up, take the bread, take the wine, <laughs> eat, drink and make a beeline to your brother as soon as the service is over to say, I have sinned against you or maybe I, to say you maybe you've sinned against me, but I'm willing to eat my rights in order to restore us to fellowship. And you're gonna say, we, we need to fix this. We cannot live with hatred against each other. This is this is the sin of Cain and we we cannot let that happen,
1: you know, between us. Um but, and, and by the way, if you don't get this fixed as an introspective single guy, then what you're gonna become is a married guy with kids. Um and you will always almost always Satan will be able to get you every Sunday on the way to church. If you ain't careful (laughs) because you're going to, you're going to snap at your wife or you're going to snap at your kids almost every single Sunday. And, and then, and then you're, um, and then you're, you're not going to take the time to deal with it. And then you're going to come to the table and you're not going to take it week after week, month after month. And he's got you, he's got you right where he wants you. So, so just like, so let's, let's, Anyway, sorry. That was a that was uh, a side note, uh, but it's something that I've been worked up about lately um, yeah. that uh, worked its way in here.
0: <laughs> but but I think all of this comes to, back to this to, to this simplicity that we've been talking about with evangelicals, and it is just as infectious in the new Calvinist movement because we are still evangelicals, and so and and, and really we could, we uh, <laughs> uh we should. We, like, we, we could say that much of what we see as wrong with evangelicalism, uh, we, it, it really comes down to, even when we read, and this is something that we kind of talked about in the previous evangelical downgrade, um, that even when we read the Reformers and the Puritans, we do it in the same simplistic way that we read the text. Hmm. We are overly simplistic. We latch on to one verse or one idea and we miss the whole context, the whole system of thought that the Puritans brought with them. And that's why we can think we're honoring the Puritans. Meanwhile, we leave their confessions that they wrote on the shelf and we will reject certain doctrines that they held as central like the doctrines of covenant theology. So many new Calvinists have gone into this, this new covenant theology direction (laughs) Which is yeah. really dispensationalism light. And they've completely and, and, and then you try and you try and talk them through the classic covenant theology and they it's like it's like their eyes glaze over. I've seen it. I'm trying to talk them through it and be like to to show them what it is and why it's important and it's like eyes glaze over and they're like, um, but D.A. Carson said Sabbath doesn't apply any longer. Hmm. And, and and sorry, I, I didn't mean to to bring D. A. Carson to this. I do love D. A. Carson. His book, the New Testament, the New Testament, uh, him, him and Beal, their New Testament commentary on the Old Testament is invaluable. And D. A. Carson is one of the two men who led me to the doctrines of grace. Um, but he, but but on this point, I think he's wrong. And and we can, and it's that same sort of like appeal to authority. Well, it's not. The idea has to stand or fall, not the person, not the person proclaiming it but but it's that's just an example of the simplistic way that we think. Well, one guy said this and and so i'm not I'm not willing to put in the work to think it through this issue or or they'll even they'll fall back to old trite evangelical things of like, well, I don't know, I can't really man that i mean we could we could chase this uh i could chase the, this uh what you know what do you call it um chase down this rabbit trail all day but you know what where there's there are souls to save out there like I, I, they 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 become like fundamentalists on this point Where they are like wow i can't if we're gonna waste our time thinking about doctrine all day we you know them meanwhile our church is starving and dying No, know they're starving because you're not willing to chase down doctrine because right. what they need is this, as First Timothy six, three or six four. What are those verses? I think six three. What they need is the sound, or healthy words of our Lord Jesus. The teaching that accords with godliness. They need that, mm-hmm. and so you need to know the teaching. You need to know the way the right. Bible is laid out. You need to know that covenant theology. You need to get it. Get back to that system of doctrine. That, that holds it all together, and you need to put that dang verse back into context. Including the hip new one that Jesus says, guys, guys, hold on. Jesus is gentle and lowly. He says it. He says it. That is what I am. I'm gentle and lowly at heart. Mm-hmm. So, so that means Jesus is a nice guy, that's that's the, that verse. Let's, let's focus on that verse, that verse alone, because he says, this is my mm-hmm. heart. And so that's all we need to know about Jesus. He says, I'm gentle and lowly. heart.
1: Which means that when Jesus stared down the Pharisees and the Sadducees and told them, to buzz off like the flies on the carcasses that they were, he was still being gentle and lowly. And so can you. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is the problem. This is what we're saying. And this gets to, to the second thing that I was saying, is this, this infection of niceness in evangelicalism, and it's infected the... All of evangelicalism, new Calvinism, modern sort of Arminianism, all of it. The greatest sin you could commit is to not be nice to someone. If we're gonna err, let's err on the side of kindness and and, and niceness. And so don't. And so we become more holy than Elijah. We become more holy than Nathan. We become more holy. The prophet Nathan. I'm talking about. We become more holy than John the Baptist. And we become more holy than Jesus. Paul, Peter, we can go down the list. Every single person we know, they are not infected by the disease of niceness. Paul stood up in front of everyone and opposed Peter to his face. Because he stood in the wrong. That is not someone infected by the sin of niceness. He is willing to name names in his letter. I'm willing to oppose Peter himself on this issue, guys. And he is willing to oppose him to his face in front of everybody. He didn't pull Peter aside quietly and say, Now, Peter, I'm, I'm, not, sure. I'm not sure about this whole eating with Gentiles thing. No, he was a public person making a public sin. needed a public call out. So I don't feel like I need to, to contact Tim uh, Keller privately or J.D. Greer privately before we give we put out our episode on what sends people to hell, which, by the way, is one of my favorite bonus episodes we've made. We've done. It's like one of our bonus episodes. Go find our bonus episodes on our YouTube channel. And, and we don't have to oppose them privately. They made a public blunder, and it should be publicly responded to. And so this idea that it's slander to oppose the foolish things that we see coming out of TGC about Bitcoin, about the constitution, about Kyle Rittenhouse, about, uh, let's keep going down the list about
1: the impeachment scandal oh, of Donald what, Trump, T, about the TG, Russia gate. TGC Canada <laughs> put out a, put out an article last week, um, about, uh, asking the American brothers, Hey, be careful the links you share and the Canadian pastors that you platform because a bunch of us Canadian pastors are 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 trying to um, fall in line with the Cesaro papism of Jason Kinney and of Rob Ford and of uh, um, and of uh, I forget the the, the tyrant in Manitoba, um, uh, and, and John Horgan in British Columbia. Um, and, and so we're trying, we're trying, we're trying to be nuanced and fall in line with the Cesaropapism of our day. Um, and when you platform these, and he called them billies, um, when you platform these, uh, when you, when you, uh, when you platform these, let's call them billies, um, then, uh, uh, then you're really making it tough on us because then our congregations say, "Why aren't you doing what Billy is doing?" Um, like, and
0: I am anyway, moving sorry. my microphone away because I'm about to shout. <laughs>
1: <Be ready.
0: laughs> Cowards!
1: Cowards! Oh, yes. <laughs> Patrick fear. points out. I think I, I think I said Rob Ford. I, of course, <laughs> Rob, Rob Ford. Um, uh, may he snort in peace. Um, I met Doug Ford, who is actually the uh, <laughs> the premier of uh, it, of of, uh, of uh, uh, his brother. His brother is the premier of Ontario now. Rob Ford was Rob Ford was the crazy person who was the mayor of uh, crazy and amazing person who was the mayor of Toronto. Uh, <laughs>
0: but this is this is this is what it is. It's selling out. <laughs> Nuance. It's like I'm sorry, but like this is what's so frustrating let's let's not miss the fact that tgc on both sides of the border are giving the respectable opinion of our overlords they are giving the world's perspective on bitcoin they're giving the world's perspective on coronavirus this is not they are not speaking truth to power they are speaking power to the rest of us They are giving the line of the powerful and telling us stupid rubes who don't know how to nuance like they do to fall in line.
1: So, it's infuriating. If I told you nothing else, than a pastor has been arrested. I told you nothing else. I told you no, no other context. Who do you want writing the article? Tom Woods, wretched papist that he is, (laughs) <laughs> or pick anyone from TGC. I'm taking Tom Woods every day and yes twice on Sunday. yeah and, again, and, again. and that should be absolutely embarrassing. Again, that people that a, that a a practicer of the religion that has tortured and murdered more pastors than any religion in the history of the world is better yes. than reformed Baptists working for TGC.
0: Okay, again, I have to say this because people hear me go off like this and they think I have something. like, um, Why do why you got this vendetta against TGC? I don't. Once again, I want to remind you that early reform Josh dreamed of having a blog on TGC. TGC factored hugely into my theological development and that is why it infuriates me to see them fold like this. To see the utter cowardice to stand up to power. And it's just... It is... Ah, ah. But but like, and where does it come from? And where does it come from? It comes from a, a, a simplistic reading of texts. And B, a simplistic reading of the narrative. We are... we Not only are we incapable of thinking deeply about God's words, we pick the most simplistic reading of it not only do and we read a simplistic reading of our father of our reformed fathers but we also pick a simplistic reading of the narrative it's like this is so in, it's, it's infuriating for a people who think that we're supposed to speak truth to power and that we're supposed to comfort the, com, the uh, uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable we certainly take the comfortables narrative often we are incapable call out names Joe Carter seems incapable of doing anything other than just accept the mainstream narrative. Like, it, he just seems incapable of in any way being critical. He'll offer like one small little critique and nuance of the of the way that the Washington Post said it. I would rather say it like this, but this is not. There is no substantial critique of the fact that he and 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 like. We, it's like we forgot it's like they've forgotten that these are secularists these are people who live as enemies of god they're willing to point that out to us they're willing to point that out to us when we follow jordan peterson who's not actually a christian eric hey, remember he's not actually a christian how about the washington post board of editors are they christians the new york times board of editors are they christians like they're fine those are fine non-Christians to listen to we can accept what they say as fact we can trust them we can trust the Associated Press but no but be careful be careful Jordan Peterson isn't actually a Christian be ca- be careful why are you guys t- following this atheist uh James what Oh my gosh what is his name the the guy who did the the woke, Lindsay James Lindsay. James Lindsay well, why are you following this atheist why are you following the board of atheists at Time <laughs> nice. magazine? Like oh, oh guys, let's remember that uh, let's, let's remember that, that many in the conservative movement uh, affirm homosexual marriage. How about the whole Pride Month supporting board of editors at fill in the blank newspaper, fill in the blank news media? Like you, this is the literal. this is a literal application of you straining at the gnat and swallowing the camel. This is the definition of picking at the speck with a log in your eye. Like, this is the level of naivete that evangelicalism aspires to. And then we pull Jesus into that naivete as if he is just as naive and weak and spineless as we are. And then we will say, no, technically, it's not persecution because it was not because we ha- believe in Jesus that they're shutting down the
1: churches. Technically, that means it's not persecution.
0: So naive. You really think, you really think, isn't it shocking that they didn't shut down liquor stores? Oh, they're, oh, wow. Wow. They they wanted to protect us. That's why they told us to stay home. There's no persecution. Liquor stores are fine. Dens of sin and iniquity, they're fine. We can send people there. That's okay. They can show up for a Black Lives Matter rally, but church, But you know, they're just protecting us. That's why we didn't come to churches.
1: So naive. Casinos fully reopened in Alberta and have never closed again. Weeks before the uh Weeks before the arrest of Tim Stevens. Yeah.
0: And, and, and Patrick says, James Lindsay, by the way, is the co-worker of Peter Bogassian, B- Bogassian. I'm sorry. Who has the awful definition of faith in his atheist handbook and caused street ep- epistemology folks. Uh, but Lindsay and Bogassian have been talking to church leaders to warn them. Yeah, absolutely. Man, this, this is Shameful that we have unbelievers uh telling us what's coming and we're we're so naive I mean, that we can't see it coming that is just shameful but it, but and also like uh I think it, uh, I think carl it's bad says, enough that pre- go
1: ahead
0: Yeah, and of course he, he 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 he's fills in the blank of course the woke CRT stuff is what he means by that and carl says you know trust the agnostic by principle science absolutely
1: so um and it was a great point. I promise. Um, <laughs> we believe you. We know I, it was. I, I, yeah, I, 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 I can tell. I can tell from the way I postured myself that it was going to be amazing. Um, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh um but yeah no it's it is um it is just so so much of the um right basically atheistic assumptions um uh of the of the of the god denying assumptions of of the uh of the surrounding world just get um just get swallowed whole and and assumed before um uh as as the common ground for the discussion and it and it's like is it, is no we don't we don't have we don't have that common ground so that um i i don't i can't start from the same place in considering the wisdom or lack of wisdom in shutting down my church i can't start from the same place as the Alberta Health Services. Yeah. Because Alberta Health Services doesn't believe that Jesus is Lord. And I do. Yes.
0: And they also don't believe that the dead will rise. If the dead will right. rise, then it is worth risking my life to worship the Lord who will raise my, my body from the dead. Because that is more and so, important than if I live another day on
1: this life. And so... So if even in the synagogues, there is a veil over the Word <laughs> mm. um, uh, because they don't have direction, the resurrection of Jesus, which is the key to understanding the, the text they're reading, how much more, then, is there a veil over the world? Yes, to people who deny their resurrection and don't that even is. bother to read the text? Yep. Yes
0: absolutely
1: and so now i remembered what i I remembered my excellent point which was that um it's bad enough that christians are neglecting the the direct application of first corinthians 6 and suing each other taking each other to secular courts but it is it is just as harmful to the spirit of first corinthians 6 mm-hmm. that we are outsourcing so much of our worldview and our decision-making on everything to the unbelieving world, yeah. so that so that um, because Ibram X. Kendi mm. is the expert on I don't know, fill in fill in whatever nonsense thing that he's supposedly the expert on um, because he's the expert on it, then 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 we're going, to, we're going to assume the foundation of his expertise on that and then say, okay, so then how can we bring a biblical worldview to? Yeah. How can we, how can we, oh, this one drives me crazy. Um, um, uh, how can we um, recognize the treasure that Ibram X. Kendi is bringing into the New Jerusalem? Um, and 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 bring alongside that, and bring alongside that, a, a biblical worldview. That's not how it works. If Christ is not raised, we are of all men most to be pitied. If Ibrahim Kendi is right about Jesus, then we are wrong about. Everything mm-hmm. So we can't just take a finish, finished product from that worldview and then slap a Jesus sticker on it is because um, because either Jesus was right. And by the way, and what does that have to do with race? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. That he has torn down the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. That he, that he has... And then
0: the godly CRT woke people sewed that dividing wall right back up. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> a reapplication of a meme about the dispensationalists. But that's, <laughs> they put no. that dividing wall right back up for <laughs> Justice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and so um and so we I I I I've, I I've always thought that that one way I'm not saying I'm not saying it's the only way to handle this <laughs> um but one way um, to uh to handle the um, the uh well is your interest in this really just that um, um is, is that you think um is that a uh, I don't know, throw out the cause is, is that um, you think trans women aren't real women and that you, and then you want to, is, is that really your interest in this? Is that you really want to, you just, you just really want to um, uh, deny their lived experience and, and, um, and you really want to, um, you really want to block them uh, from living their full life in, in the, in the way that they've the way that they've chosen to live, um, it, it, I, I think. I think it's almost, at least sometimes, important to to wheel it back and go um, to wheel it back and go before we can ever even get there. I believe something so much more radical than that. I believe God made you, uh-huh. and that you stand under His judgment uh-huh <laughs> and like <laughs> is that um i believe i believe that the the universe was made by the word of christ and that and and that in erecting ramparts upon the ramparts upon the ramparts on the denial of him that that this is starting from um, you're breathing air you borrowed from Jesus to do this yep, yep. that that um, that you are uh, by immaculate infinite grace um Standing in the throne room of the king of all the universe and spitting in his face when, when he but not even says a word, fails to uphold your life at any moment. Yeah. And you're done. And you stand before him in judgment to suffer for all of eternity. So, so yeah, okay, we can we can we can get to the transgenderism thing, but fundamentally let's start back here. Like yeah. <laughs> um and uh and I think um uh, I, I think I think that uh that that's one of our problems is that so frequently we we think we have to start from we have to start from we've we're um we we've got these massive edifices on both sides. One one hanging in midair, <laughs> built on a foundation of nothing, but <laughs> we've got this this these massive edifices on both sides. And 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 we're talking and we're we're talking about the spires on the top. <laughs> and never and never um and 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 never engaging at the foundational level. Um I think that's one of the um I think that that's one of the problems and why um and uh and why so frequently Christians lack the courage to engage because they they see it as um well maybe what the church has taught about these things is correct but i don't know this topic as as well as as well as the person who has made this topic their identity <laughs> and and so therefore i don't i don't feel like i can Engage on this um, when when really like we've got a much more foundational conflict here, and that's that's where I say so to bring this back to um, uh, the evangelical thought leaders. Um, I say sarcasm dripping out of every word, um, uh, and. Uh, um so is is that so a real thought leader of Christians should be modeling how to attack the faulty foundations of the opposing worldview. Yeah. Instead of just adopting it uh just adopting it lock stock and barrel and then um and and then quibbling around the edges and and like you say having a having a mild well i wouldn't have said it the way the washington post editorial board said it here um but but fundamentally swallowing um swallowing the in, the entire edifice that got us, yeah
0: Yeah. I mean it's we can pull it all together, right? In one in one thing. Is it right back to the point of naivete and worldliness over worldliness. Which you know, again, you could probably that's probably a part of on your bingo card. <laughs> uh, is that you know saying like, like let's get back to being scriptural in our thinking, not just our not just quoting Bible verses, but letting it affect our thinking. Like what is what is happening, and when we do this, like okay, we, we this is part of the difficulty. We're gonna say this is going to be a little tricky at times. Is knowing when to plunder the Egyptians and when to abandon the faulty foundations, like. But we know that if we're taking the whole system of thought and just dripping a little scripture on top of it, like a like a caramel coating, that's not it. That's not plundering the Egyptians. You are letting the Egyptians define the temple like that. You're letting the Egyptians run the argument.
1: Here's one way, you know, you haven't plundered the Egyptians. They're happy about it. If the Egyptians are happy, you didn't plunder them. If the Egyptians let you write for their publications, you didn't plunder them. (laughs) They call you uh,
0: the most interesting evangelical and put you on the front page of their magazine. You're not plundering the Egyptians. You are you become one. And and but it's it's that worldliness versus worldliness thing that. Um yes, it can get tricky. And and again, we'll go back to uh what we said uh on our in our um response videos to that Catholic priest that's been the, the series has been running uh concurrent to what we're posting now
1: uh, of the response videos. But, if, yeah. If you're if you're watching if you're watching this when it comes out, um we just finished. We just finished it yesterday. Yep. Just finished
0: yesterday. And um and yeah. We should ask that question, and I I keep asking Christian libertarians, and I keep pushing this issue because I think it's important that we not be hypocrites on this point, that we not say, hey, you socialist Christians, you... Uh, status Christians, you are letting the world do your thinking for you and just dripping Bible verses on top of worldly thinking. We need to be careful that we don't do the same. That we are plundering the Egyptians with liber- with our libertarianism. And our libertarianism has to be different. Like, not not just in, in, in flavoring, but in a fundamental way. Our libertarianism has to be different because we start from the basis of God's word. Um, not in such a way that we are jettisoning the Mises Institute in Toto or anything like that, but, but in this, in such a way that it should Christian libertarians should look different than general libertarianism. Um, and I think maybe we're seeing that in the separation of the Mises style libertarian from the lullbertarian degenerate libertarian, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm downplaying this and this is what we're doing, but I think it needs to go to also to the level of the way we establish our libertarian worldview. Um, but, it's equally hypocritical when the, when the Christian comes back at us and says, Hey, you just want to prove your secular libertarianism from God's word. We really need to care about people. That's why I support redistribution of resources. That's socialism. You're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. You're saying the government needs to take resources, steal resources and redistribute it. You're doing the same exact thing, except instead of libertarianism, you're doing a socialism. And I've got a better foundation for my libertarianism out of God's word than you do. I go all the way back to the first thing written in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, for my foundation. Do you? No. You don't. You don't. It's not there. You go from a correlation or, or, or a, a possible application of Romans 13 and Matthew 22. That's what you go to. Right. You're, it's, but, but ultimately, this is what it comes down to. This is what it comes down to.
1: By the way, that, Matthew twenty two is a great example of Jesus not being very nice. Sorry. There it is. And by the way, I, since, I tweeted this. Since my microphone is right here, I have no idea what effect I just had. <laughs> but, <laughs> so sorry. <speaking laughs> sorry, Randy. Of,
0: speaking of the render under Caesar, uh, in Mart in the uh in I, I posted this on Twitter the other day, but um RC Sproul, God rest his soul. He, I hope he is enjoying all of the treasures that he deserves in heaven right now, because he. But not just for this sermon, but for so many others. But his sermon on "Render unto Caesar" from his Mark series is the best handling of that text I've ever heard. He walks the line perfectly of not justifying every taxation and justifying the actions of the government taxation and he properly mm. understands what government actually is even as he says yes we render unto Caesar but you you need to go check that out and it is it is amazing you, perfectly I think libertarians need to follow R.C. Sproul more than you know uh, but anyway but this is what it all comes down to what it all comes down to once again is naivete and a desire for respectability which is what drives our niceness we want to be liked we want to be nice we take the parts that we like that really appeal to the spirit of the age that's what we do we take that's what we do and luther's luther in his day said if i preach the word but i don't approach but i don't confront the sin of my age i am not preaching the word And so it's the same thing. It's the spirit of the age, this respectability, this niceness. Uh, And and if we do that, uh, but it all comes down to this naivete, and we are not to be naive. 2 Corinthians 10, he says, starting in verse 1, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when to face with you but bold toward you when i'm away he's kind of mocking them with that phrase by the way he's because that's what they, they were saying about him but he's like oh okay all right well okay you want some of this okay i'm gonna be i'll show you some humility but i'm also gonna oppose you uh i beg of you that when i am present i may not have to show boldness with such confidence as i count on showing against some Suspect us of watching according to the flesh. Y'all want to see boldness? I'm about to bring some boldness. That's what he's saying here. I'm about to, br- I'm going to show up and I'm going to bring some boldness for some of you. But he says, But for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of divine power to destroy strongholds. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? Verse five. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. We take Thoughts captive. What does that mean? Oh, maybe it's it's just the only time we ever like apply this verse, by the way, is to men and lust because, of course, we like beating on men. Uh, But take every thought captive does apply to lust. Let's be clear about that. But in this context, what is every thought captive? It means every thought, (laughs) every single thought. It means taking every single thought thought. Every headline, every news uh, story, every tweet, we take every thought captive. We dismantle every argument. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. By the way, what he is describing is his work as an apostle. And so, by extension, our work as pastors and as christians is uh, this is our job pastors need to be better at destroying arguments the fact that pastors are weaklings incapable of dismantling a argument we just take these things whole hog we just swallow the whole narrative and we are incapable of getting down to the very foundations of the argument that's why we accept these nonsense categories uh we need to be better at this. we need to be better at dismantling this is our job is to take on the thoughts of this world and dismantle them It's like that what I said a few, uh, a few episodes ago uh, where a few uh, bonus episodes ago where I said there's this idea that like I'm supposed to focus on the sheep I'm supposed to focus on the sheep and not not on, not, not on what's going on out in the world I focused on my sheep. Well, if I am a, f- a shepherd staring at my sheep and I'm just there's a wolf over there and I'm paying no attention to them because I'm like, I you got to keep my eye on the sheep. My job is not to keep an eye on the wolves over there. My eyes to keep an eye on the sheep. What do you think that wolf's <laughs> about to do? He's about to gobble up right. your sheep and you are literally not going to do a thing until he's already in their midst. That's insane. We need to take every thought captive, including the ones on the front page of the New York Times. That's our job. That is our job, not a little nuance. We take every thought captive. And, and you know what else? You know what else? You know what else? You know what else? They're going to say to me, they're going to say to me, and they're right. They're going to say to me, you better not bring your Austrian economics and your libertarianism into the pulpit. You better not preach libertarianism from the pulpit. You better. I better not hear the words non-aggression principle come out of your mouth when you are getting up into the pulpit because it is not in the Bible. And I will say, you're right. The idea is, I'll argue. But you're right. The words are not there. If I use Rothbardian logic from the pulpit, I am misusing my position. But you want to know who doesn't show the same restraint? The guy who... Pu- mounts the pulpit and starts claiming that what Micah's talking about when he says, Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God And he says what he's talking about is racial justice and systematic inequality. You're not using you this is what drives me crazy is they this is again it is speck and log going on here. Speck and log mm-hmm. you point at me and you say because you believe things that are not stri- strictly speaking from scripture That you must be that this must be af- affecting your pulpit preaching and yet they will boldly bring their log into the pulpit They will boldly speak of Marxian Inequality and, and class warfare You'll bring these ideas into the pulpit and claim that that's what the prophets were actually talking about We destroy arguments. We take thoughts captive. I'm willing to do that. I am standing here talking to you, telling anyone who's watching this from, from my, from, I know there's some people from my, from my church who would watch this, and, I'm, and, and you know, they're mostly good people, so I'm not talking to them, but I'm talking to anyone out there who wants to accuse me of bringing my libertarianism into the pulpit. I'm going to say to you, "I'm trying. I really am. Are you? I don't see the same effort from you. I see you bringing what could be a New York Times headline into the pulpit. When you're talking about justice, you may as well be quoting, uh, reading while black from the pulpit. Sorry. That's just the first book that came to my mind because we were talking about Darnell. We we're talking about Darnell recently. You may as well be bringing anti-racist baby to the pulpit while you're talking about, uh, the pro- while you're reading the prophets. You may as well be Ibrahim Ibram Kendi, Mounting the pulpit and using the words of the prophets to make his point and bring his whole ideology, you are not using similar restraint. you are letting the world set the agenda, and you know it. This is what's frustrating It's infuriating <sighs> 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 yeah, I've been ignoring the chat. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it turns out I had things to say as well, so I hope you enjoyed uh, that spirited conversation. And uh, again, um, make sure you share it, comment, like, all the good stuff. And uh, and we're gonna continue and and finish this conversation next week, uh, same time, same place, Thursday night, five thirty. Uh, so please join us, and uh, and of course join us next Wednesday uh, as we continue. Our uh, study of the of Judges, seventeen through twenty one, um, really fascinating passage. We got some really amazing insights. So make sure that you go to uh, if you're if you're watching, go to our YouTube and and click that button to set me to set a reminder for it, and uh, tune in when it comes out. Or if you're listening live, if you're listening in audio fo- format, make sure you check it out uh, when they drop on Friday. And, um, and yeah, just remember to join us again next time when we take Anarchy to Church, the Anarchist Bible Study.
1: Grace and peace.